sermon series in the book of Luke, and we're going to do a bit of a, a pause. Uh, we'll stay in Luke, but use it as a bit of a launching pad this morning. Uh, so go with me to Luke chapter 6. I, I'm so glad you're here this morning because uh, we're going to talk about our burdens. 35 pounds. Huh? The new year, I said I get a little stronger this year. No, this is an old dumbbell that has a lot of dust on it. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. On a Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked, ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, but some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, man, it's getting heavy in my arm. I'm so glad you're here at the turn of the year. This is the second Sunday of the new year. Uh, because I think if you're like me, uh, you are carrying quite a burden. Uh, and you might even have it misplaced of uh, why you have this burden that you have. And we're going to address it uh, the next three Sundays. Uh, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. And uh, many of us uh, in our lives are carrying with us a weight um, as we chase different desires. Uh, thinking if we were to just get this or attain that or accomplish this, that uh, man, we would find rest or peace. Or be able to go, and we're often looking in the wrong places, and what is going to happen here uh, is Jesus is going to come in conflict with the Pharisees, and in this argument, uh, he's going to lead the way uh, for us to find deep rest and change in the rhythms of our lives. He's going to help us see how can we lay down our burdens. 
Uh, so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at two arguments, because that's often where change begins, is in an argument. <laughs> at least it does in my house. <laughs> and after we look at the two arguments, uh, we're going to back up and say, okay, what's the main issue here? What's really, what's going on? What's the big problem? And uh, then in that, we're going to say, okay, uh, I got a personal question then for myself and for us that I want us to ask. Uh, so the two arguments, and then we'll back up and say, what's the main problem, the main issue? And then from there, we'll ask a couple personal questions that will pry into our lives a bit. All right, the two arguments. Uh, here's what's going on in Luke chapter 6 as we make our way to a deep rest that our God gives. Uh, Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees. This is kind of the, uh, the second half of four major conflicts. Uh, uh, Jesus has come. He starts eating with sinners. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you know you can't eat with sinners? Uh, then he's not fasting with his disciples like they, uh, the Pharisees think he ought to fast. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. We fast twice a day. You ought to be fasting. Uh, and then the Pharisees are going to come up to Jesus as he uh, breaks Sabbath in their uh, estimation. And they'll say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You are breaking Sabbath. Uh, the context is, you know, Jesus has just healed this paralytic. He's forgiven him of his sins. And, and people are like, whoa, this guy is blowing our paradigms. He's forgiving sins. Only God can do that. And he's doing these miraculous healings. Then they confront him on these two eating things and then the Sabbath and, and this whole while he keeps getting more and more disciples. Uh, the Pharisees are this group that are kind of the religious elites of the time. They are at church every Sunday. They serve on 15 service teams. Uh, they are keeping the Ten Commandments. They have uh, written in the Mishnah all the ways to keep the Ten Commandments and all these extra laws in order to make sure they are holy before God. They are right with Him and they are right with others. And Jesus is bringing a new system before them, a system of a grace. Uh, they've taken a system that ought to have pointed them, uh, the Pharisees, uh, to their own sinfulness, their own ability, their, their need for a Savior. They've taken that system and they've um, crafted it into a system where by it and their moralism, they feel like they can become right with God and right with others, righteous by their own actions. And Jesus will say right in the argument before these two arguments, nope, I'm bringing a new system. But I bet you guys will stay with the old. <laughs> and then they begin arguing about Sabbath. Like I said, every bit of change in my house begins with a good argument. Uh, Courtney and I, when we got married, we took our premarital uh, test and uh, it labeled both of us assertive aggressive. Right? Who knew? We both knew. And the test just confirmed what we knew to be true. We were going to fight a lot. And we have fought over the years. We've learned to fight fair, uh, kindly. Uh, but everything that kind of uh, changes in our house uh, begins with a couple good fights. And it's the same. You know, we, we were practicing Sabbath really well. And my wife reminded me, well, that's because it was in the middle of COVID, you know. 
And she's right, you know. Uh, but we were kind of doing Sabbath really well as a family and, and enjoying a fun meal and lots of donuts on the weekend and, and stopping and resting. And, and it was beautiful, right? And then, then uh, COVID ended, I guess. And so did any uh, semblance of any sort of rest and Sabbath. And so uh, we're, we've started, uh, well, arguing again. Arguing about what, what is Sabbath, what is rest, what does margin look like in our lives? We're trying to figure it out. And we brought the kids into that discussion last night, which meant we got to argue a bit more. <laughs> you know that, uh, the J-curve of change, right? It has, it has to get worse before it gets better, even as when you start that change out, right? Well, the same is going to occur here when Jesus brings this new system of rest found in himself, the ultimate authority, the ultimate satisfaction. They're going to fight about it. All right, the Sabbath, uh, where the arguments uh, center and focus. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 1 to 5 first is the first episode of argument about the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, uh, a Sabbath, uh, and then the next argument I'll start with, on another Sabbath. So you get a sense that, man, they're doing this often. The, the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus pretty often on the Sabbath about what he's doing, how he's living in it. While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Uh, so here's the situation. Sabbath uh, it comes out of Genesis chapter 2 in the order of creation. On the seventh day, uh, God has made everything. He steps back and he, he rests. And he says this day is set apart as, as holy to us. Uh, and then he commands the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And then all through Leviticus, different uh, commands about the Sabbath. Uh, and, and here, uh, the disciples uh, and Jesus are walking through this grain field and and they're, they're not going to steal because uh, on the edges of all the grain field, uh, you're supposed to leave the edges with wheat and, and different things so people can walk through and, and take what they need as they're traveling or if they're in need. And so they do this on the Sabbath, and the, the Pharisees call out, because uh, according to the, the Mishnah, which is their uh, extra laws, that if you're to pluck this piece of grain, and if you're to rub it in your fingers, uh, that, that's like harvesting, right? Uh, they'll have another law that says if you're to spit on the Sabbath into a grain field, uh, that's like irrigating. Like, don't do that, because that's work. Right? Uh, it's almost like when you go to New York and then you step into the elevator and you have to go every level, right? You don't ever, you don't touch a button because that would be work on the Sabbath to, to take you up these levels, right? And so uh, what, what has occurred here is the Pharisees have decided we really want to keep this law. We really want to honor God. But that has slowly shifted into their way to be righteous before God their way to be embraced and acceptable to God and to others. And Jesus begins to shatter that. Uh, the day of rest had become even a piece of striving in their own lives. And the text goes on. Uh, they say, you know, this is not lawful. Uh, basically, we say what is lawful, not you, Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus answered them. I like that. He says, well, let's talk about it then. <laughs> Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? 
how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus uh, steps back and says, let's talk about this. You're taking the Sabbath command out of the Old Testament. Jesus, uh, in the back of his head, is saying, which I wrote. He says, "Uh, don't you remember the story of David, right? Uh, David uh, David is uh, one of the kings of Israel, and Jonathan, his good uh, friend, uh, Saul's uh, son, has told David, hey, look, my dad, Saul, the current king, is going to kill you, David. He knows you're going to be king, and he's he's after you to kill you. So David flees out of Jerusalem, and he goes to Nob, and he he is there, and he uh, finds Ahimelech, and Ahimelech, and he, uh, the chief priest, he's in the tabernacle there, uh, where you meet with God in the the presence of God, and in there is this bread that no one's supposed to eat but the priests. And David is fleeing for his life, and so he goes, "Hey, can I have some bread?" I'm really hungry, me and my folks. Uh, Could we get a a bit to eat? And he takes this bread and he eats it. It's unlawful, uh, but in it is an act of compassion. And Jesus highlights that to say, man, this isn't Sabbath breaking to be compassionate and kind to others. That's totally missing the point of the Sabbath. And then he stamps the end of his own interpretation of the Old Testament, which he wrote, the the word of God himself, uh, interpreting the word of God in this moment about David and the Sabbath. And, And he says, I am Lord, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. I stand over it, I interpret it. Uh, In my life, you will see how it's to be lived out. Jesus says, uh, I am Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of Man, a term out of Daniel, a a term of authority. Notice what's happening. Pharisees' way or Jesus' way? How are you going to find rest? Jesus says, when it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to me, who will be your authority, who will be your treasure, who will you trust? Next Sabbath argument is in verses 6 to 11. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. Uh, This is kind of like the OK Corral. This is your western. This is your tumbleweed. You you go out into the middle of town and you've got your guns drawn, ready to go. You hear (whistles) the tumbleweed is going, right? And and, and Jesus is standing there. Uh, He is in the synagogues teaching and they're watching him, right? And he knows their thoughts. Now, at this point, you or me, we say, oh, man, this is going to be trouble. I know what's going to happen. We duck out, right? Okay, let's go a different way. Let's not offend. Jesus knows their thoughts, so he says, you with the withered hand, come stand here in front of everyone. And the man stands before everyone. In the middle of this showdown, is this going to be Jesus' way or the Pharisees' way? And Jesus says to him, He rose and stood there. Jesus said, 
I ask you, is it lawful, using that same phrase again, on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? And after looking around at them, I like it. It's kind of a dramatic pause. He's like, what's lawful? He said, stretch out your hand. And the man did so, and his hand was restored. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to bring life or to destroy? What's the Sabbath for, Jesus is saying? Uh, what's the rest, the enjoyment of God for that he gives us? He, he commands us to enjoy on the seventh day. What's it for? Is it for doing good or evil? Is it for saving life or destroying this is not to uh, prohibit us from doing love and kindness and compassion and care. It's to have us step back and realize where our sustenance, who our king, where our treasure is. And he has a man step out, uh, reach out his hand, and he's healed right then. It's, it's, a, it's a magical moment of seeing the very power of God on display and seeing the very compassion of God on display. And they were filled with fury. Out of their minds angry is how that's interpreted. Out of their minds angry at seeing Jesus heal a man with a, a withered, paralyzed hand. They're out of their minds angry at it. The audacity to stand before the, the power of that kind of God, right? And say, I am so angry that you use your power and mind this way. And the hard-heartedness to stand before this moment of compassion and care and be so furious. Say, how could he? Audacity, but also a bit of sympathy for these folks, right? In this moment where we look and say... Their whole system is crumbling before them. Their whole way to organize life and find embraced by God and righteousness before Him. And to know they're okay with their neighbor. It's all falling apart when Jesus shows up on the scene. What's the main issue? Let's step back here from these two arguments as we step into, hopefully, some radical changes in our life, finding new rest and patterning our life accordingly. What's the main, the major issue? Uh, the first is they are rejecting Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, and who is the Sabbath himself, who is eternal rest and peace. They're rejecting the one who is king and they're rejecting uh, their most greatest treasure, their Savior, where they might find life and peace and rest. Matthew 11 puts it this way. This is uh, Matthew's rendering of this same passage, this same uh, interaction with the Pharisees. Uh, he'll talk about the, the, the argument of the grain uh, in chapter 12. He'll talk about the withered hand in chapter 12 of Matthew. But right before it, he says this. Jesus declared to those around him, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding, the revealed, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me, Jesus, by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says these great words in verse 28 and following. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can lay your burden down. You can take that deep breath. Your soul can rest in Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I am the way to rest in your soul. I am your eternal Sabbath. I, I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That you might find the purpose you are longing for. That you might find the peace you long for in your anxiety. That, that, that I will order your life as a, a benevolent authority in a way that you will enjoy my rest now and forever. Jesus says, come to me and let me order your rest and your life their core issue is they are rejecting christ and his ways uh, the writer of hebrews will talk about this sabbath rest it, he'll say we uh, we who uh, for, sorry for we who have believed enter that rest in hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 anyone who believes in christ enters that rest that we then in, in verse 9 get to rest from the works just as God himself rested from works. That we don't have to put the pile of our achievements before our God to be good enough for him. That we, have to, we don't have to uh, attain or acquire or achieve or ascend in order to be good enough for ourselves. It is done and finished in Christ. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, talking of Jesus as the Sabbath, will go on to say, man, uh, he is just like us in all these temptations. He's been tempted, yet he's without sin. And then he forgives us. He gives us his righteousness. He cleanses us. He welcomes us in. That what we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, with that sure, steady soul of rest for our souls. The first major issue is they have rejected true rest because they have rejected Jesus Christ. Now here's the second core issue for them, and I want to highlight it for us because it's interesting that it's flipped. It's the flipped problem for us. See, in the Pharisees, in their rejection of Jesus, they have elevated Sabbath. Uh, they're, they're rejecting Jesus and his ways of grace and, and finding forgiveness and embrace in him, uh, uh, finding him as their true authority over every piece of their lives. Uh, they should have been coming to him saying, hey, Lord, teach us about Sabbath. Wow, this is new. We've seen you heal that paralytic. You forgave his sins. Now you're acting in compassion as you heal this withered man's hand. Oh my gosh, this is blowing our mind and our systems. Would you teach us? Well, we want to know you. We want to follow you. We want to figure out out the life you offer instead they're saying no we have a system we know how to keep sabbath 
And we're going to keep this moralistic religiosity uh, even to our striving where we have to write hundreds of laws, do this, don't do this, act in this way, then condemn everyone else who doesn't do it your way and live this life of anger and anxiety and fury in order to be pleasing to God and good before others. See, in their rejection of Jesus, they have elevated Sabbath and incorrectly. He is not their delight. He is not their authority. In our rejection of Jesus, we have eliminated Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, just the word Shabbat, just means stop. Uh, it can kind of add this, uh, uh, this shading to it even of shut up. <laughs> which is to sit before our God in nothing, doing nothing, saying, I'm not the king, I release control to you. Uh, the other way you can translate uh, Shabbat uh, is delight, enjoy. And that's this idea of not only are you my chief authority and king, I can release all control to you. I, I don't have to do it because I'm not God. But this delight, man, you are my ultimate satisfaction. You're my ultimate treasure. You're who I long for. And Jesus comes and walks the earth and says, I am that. He is our authority. He is our treasure. He's our delight. And in it, we find this rest in such a way that we would even trust him in the ordering and the commands of his life that he gives and the way he lived his life to stop, to delight But in our rejection of Jesus, we have eliminated Sabbath. So now I want to ask some personal questions. Uh, the personal question I want to ask kind of centers around one, which is, can you stop? Can you stop? Can you stop? I'll give it two different ways to ask this question. One is, does your soul stop and rest? Does your soul ever stop and rest, or is your mind always going? Do those uh, words from Jesus out of Matthew 11 kind of resonate in your soul, which is, my soul has found rest in him. I think of even Psalm 23. Does this kind of, um, does this psalm picture the insides of your soul? Just listen to it. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence even of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house 
of my God forever. I see it might be in your life that you are chasing this or that. You are trying to uh, attain this level or accomplishment. You're trying to acquire this or that to get the depths of your desires. And you keep running. And your soul keeps running. If I could just get this, then I would find rest and peace and satisfaction. If I could just get a hold of this in my life or, or control that piece of my life, man, then I'd be okay. And all you find in your life in the depths of your soul is fury and anger and anxiety. If you were to write Psalm 23, it would look a lot different than that. Oh Lord, I wake up every morning anxious. I go to bed and can barely sleep. If I just had this or that, or my kids just lived this or that way, then I could be at peace. And the Lord comes to us and He says, let me be your peace this morning. Let me be your satisfaction. Let me be your security and your purpose and your hope. Do you know how deeply loved you are this morning? Do you know how deeply loved you are by God? Do you know that you don't have to do anything to earn your way to your father, that he welcomes you and embrace because of the work of his son? He says, come on in your mind, now and for all of eternity, by grace, through faith. Do you know you can release control this morning because you have uh, the sovereign king of the world who has placed his affection and his eye on you, and he carries you, he walks with you into tomorrow? You lost your job, but he carries you in it in provision. You don't have that relationship you long for, but he meets you and embraces you in it. He's your satisfaction. He's your king. Does your soul stop and rest? Uh, I, I'll give you a moment this morning just to bow our heads together. And I just want you to talk to Jesus. If your soul, your mind, your life is chasing some other desire for the depth of purpose or peace or embrace or validation, would you hand that over to him right now? And would you ask that he would be your rest? He would be your king, your authority, the one you trust he would be your treasure, the one who satisfies your soul. Talk to him honestly in these areas. He can handle it. He's so gracious. He's so mighty. You and I, we should never be able to come before him, but he welcomes us in by the grace of his son. You're his son, you're his daughter. Father, might our souls find rest in your Son. He is our Sabbath. He's our life. He's our purpose. He's our hope. He's our treasure. He's our King. Amen.
A second personal question is this, does your schedule stop and rest? I remember the Pharisees and their rejection of Jesus, they elevated Sabbath, but our rejection of Jesus that we can't find rest, we can't release control means we never stop. We eliminate Sabbath. Are you always working? Are you always working? Your family time is shaded by the fact that your mind is always working uh, and your, your phone is always working. You're always on email. You're always shooting this or that thing out. Are you always working? Because there's, oh, there's so much to be done and if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Or if you don't get this or that, man, how are you going to get the, the security that you long for in this or that? Or how are you going to get the validation you long for in this or that? Are you always working? Is your phone always on? 90% of folks, the first thing they touch in the morning is their phone. I'm a guilty. Anyone guilty here? Yeah, yeah. I got my phone, phone time up 11% screen time. Uh, two hours, 18 minutes. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> and I'm like, but I've been listening to more jazz. So does that count? Like, is that on the screen time thing? But then I got to go back on my phone to check if that counts for the screen time. So then I'm up at my screen time for next week. And I'm like, ah, it's a trap, right? Isn't it? It's a trap. I'll tell you what, your, your phone does not bring the rest that your king brings. Your phone always on? Are people always in the way? Are you always working? Is your phone always on? Are people always in the way from what you're trying to get done? Or are you just using them to get done what you want to get done? Uh, this isn't the way of Jesus. That's not the way of Jesus. I... I these folks who are messing up Sabbath and rejecting the king, rejecting Jesus, what you find in their life is anger, right? And anxiety, right? Have we done enough? Do we keep the laws correctly? And, and anger at others. And, and I think these are great markers for our life that Jesus is not our deepest rest and satisfaction or king and authority and that we've not ordered our lives according to his ways. You know, we're, I'm reading my Bible and then I'm yelling at the kids. I'm reading my Bible and I'm stomping at people and over people and past people at work. Uh, decide now then, um, will you take these next two weeks to begin to place ourselves under the authority of our King and find our deepest satisfactions in Jesus in a way that we might reorder our lives a bit. And you'll say, well, in the Sabbath, that's not commanded anymore. That's an Old Testament thing. We'll take a look at that. Uh, well, how would I even do that? You know, I got lots of kids or I'm working on my PhD or yeah, well, we'll take a look at these kinds of things. But I think first is that position of our minds and our hearts before our Savior that says, you're my king, you're my satisfaction, you can reorder my life, and I trust you to do so. And so we'll do what we do every week. Uh, it's a rhythm, it's a purpose uh, to come before our Savior and remember what He has done for us. Why? Because in His finished work, we find our rest.
Because in who He is as our resurrected King, we place our submission under Him. We release control to Him. And this is evidence that, that He is our satisfaction. He is our King. He is our Savior. And we can find rest in Him now, today, and forever. And we can order our lives according to His ways and His commands. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, or maybe even earlier in the sermon, you placed your trust in Jesus. You, you, you said, I won't seek life in other places. Now I want to seek life in you and, and seek your, for my forgiveness in you. Uh, then I would say this morning, come to the table and enjoy who the Savior is and what he's done. And you might even want to do this in your prayer. <sighs> a couple deep breaths knowing that he satisfies and brings rest to your soul. And if you're not trusting in Christ, wrestle with him this morning. Don't take communion. And wrestle with the fact that you don't have the depth of rest that he provides. But he offers it to you by grace. Let's take and eat together and then let's sing praise to our Savior who is our treasure and who is our King. Let's take and eat together.